Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. Welcome to the Batters Box. My name is David Quadrelli. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Liu. It is Friday, August 4th, and the Seattle Mariners are two games back of the final wildcard spot in the American League, currently, and should I say shortly, held down by the Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, it's two and a half games back, and they're still tied with the Yankees, and the Red Sox are still ahead of them, but it's close. It's close, baby. The Seattle Mariners, like I said on the last episode, This series with the Los Angeles Angels would be a very defining one, and I don't think there's anything more defining of the LA Angels season (laughs) to this point and their managing of Shohei Otani than Otani having to leave the game with cramps in his hand while pitching only for Carlos Estevez, who has not blown a save this year, get a grand slam hit off him by former Savannah Banana, Cade Marlowe. Cade Marlowe, uh... I don't think there's been a Mariners rookie that has had this much success in his first two weeks in the big leagues than Cade Marlowe has in a long time, and I, I am loving it. I am loving it. I am loving the Cade Marlowe train. Dominic Canzone is looking good from the Paul Seawald trade that I was criticizing on the last show. The Mariners are feeling it, man. The Mariners are feeling it. Dating back to, I think it was a series against the Jays that started it, the Mariners have won like five straight series and they're about to make it six when they uh, they dick slap the Angels tonight because it's a four game series. <laughs> so they have to win. Uh, they have to win tonight as well. So, hey, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I think they're going to I think they're going to get it done. I think they're at least going to split the series, um, but hopefully they get that series win. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but like there, there was a video of Shohei uh, after he got pulled with cramps. Um, there's a video of him holding back tears in a dugout, and you kind of just have to feel for the guy. Like he did everything right in this game against the Mariners. He clobbered a home run. He pitched. He pitched his mind out. The team was hold like the Angels were holding a lead going to the ninth, and then all of a sudden they just get absolutely clobbered. Um, like y- you got to feel for the guy and. Yeah, yeah, the Angels have added. This this will be a good test to see how they'll do, especially after making those trades, after adding at the deadline against the Mariner team, uh, Mariners team that stood pat, did basically nothing besides just basically nothing besides just giving away Seawald. That was it. Um, yeah, like the Angels should probably should have won that game, but 
we all know that the Los Angeles Angels are cursed. There's no other explanation for the shit that just happens. And I guess, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's karma. At, at the at the end of the day, but man, Shohei, you got to get out of there, man. <laughs> Absolutely, and I feel like this is something we talk about every week. But I, I want to quickly just on the Mariners month of July, they were one of the best teams in baseball. They finally pulled ahead of the 500 mark, which it seems like they never would. But it was a huge month of July for the Mariners. They lost one series in the entire month of July. Even though they played the Houston Astros, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Boston Red Sox, these top teams, they fell to the Detroit Tigers. That was the only series that the Mariners lost in July, was a series with the Detroit Tigers, and then they split their four-game series against the Minnesota Twins, the juggernaut of the AL Central Minnesota Twins. But the Mariners, man, I I told you, I told you, I I told you so, I I hate to say it, but my Mariners... I, they're going to do it, man. They're getting hot at the right time. This is what you want to see. They're starting to finally support the starting pitching, not only in the form of their bullpen, which let's not forget was one of the best in baseball last year. And I know they don't have Seawald now. I know they lost Eric Swanson, but the the way the bullpen was performing to this point in the season was just not... It, it, everybody was underperforming, it felt like, except for maybe the starting pitching. But... Now, they're starting to pull their weight. The lineup's starting to get some good at-bats in there. I'm I'm liking it, man. They're getting hot at the right time. They're going to absolutely dominate Reed Detmers tonight. Uh, you book it. You got Luis Castillo going on the bump for the Mariners. Just book it. Just book it. The fact that they took that game, the, the Otani game, the fact <sighs> they managed to win that game, not only like just because they won the game, but the fashion in which they won that game where Carlos Estevez blows the first save of his season, all-star closer, Carlos Estevez has his first blown save because of former Savannah banana Cade Marlowe. Like, that's a good omen. That's a good <laughs> omen for a team. And it, it's funny because I, I, in all seriousness, as I toned down the fandom for a bit, I think the funniest thing about the Mariners is that they have a nobody believes in us attitude. And the nobody that they're referring to is their own front office, right? Like, like, like the surprise of the Paul Seawald trade of like, you know, you didn't have to be buyers, but you didn't have to sell, right? Like, like, I think that was how a lot of the players felt was like, yeah, you know what? We're a 500 ball club at the trade deadline. We probably don't deserve to have, have, you know, the front office go out and load up, right? We, we probably don't deserve that, mm-hmm. but they deserve to lose Paul Seawald. Probably I don't know. Not. Like. Probably not, right? And, and I think a lot of that is banking on, okay, well, Munoz, they want to kind of find his stride a bit and have him as the guy in the bullpen. And last night, Munoz comes out, shuts the door, three strikeouts en route to picking up the save against the Angels. But in all seriousness, this team does, since the trade deadline especially, has had this mentality of nobody believes in us. And like I said, the nobody that they're talking about, like there, there are players that have gone on the record talking about how they don't feel like management believes in them, right? Like, it's like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of people that don't think we can, you know, make the playoffs and all that sort of stuff. And, like, management is one of those people, right? Like, ownership, management, you name it. That Like, the, the, the team right now has this mojo about them that is coming from their front office. I don't know if it's 4D chess. I don't know if you want to call it that. But they're tired of people not believing in them, and they're putting their money where their mouth is right now. I would like to point out that the Mariners, yes, the Mariners have been very good. But as a Mariners fan, you should also be very familiar with how this team loves to collapse at inopportune times and find a way, find a way 
for them to, for themselves to halt their own momentum to get in their own ways. I'm not saying it's going to happen in this case, and like again, this team has been performing very well. They've probably been performing better than most people expected them to, and that um, no nobody believes in us attitude, the chip on their shoulder, has probably contributed a lot to that. But I I can't help but remain skeptical. It, this is just one of those things where like I I feel like if you look at the past, you can just see that this team uh, this team folds at very inopportune moments. And they just collapse, and then it's, it becomes a snowball, and it piles up and up and up and up, and all of a sudden, um, shit, it, it just becomes really depressing to be a Mariners fan. I think that's kind of like the story. That's the story of being most. Like, that's the story of being a Mariners fan. Is that you get your hopes up, and then they crush it. That's been how it is for the past what 20, 30 years, something like that. Um, not to jinx it, not to <laughs> jinx it, because you're absolutely right. But looking ahead at the Mariners' schedule. They have two series against the Royals. They have two series against the Athletics. And they have two series against the Chicago White Sox. Excuse me, one more series against the Chicago White Sox. Not to mention the Cincinnati Reds, the New York Mets, who are obviously a bit of a coin toss. But like you're, you're looking at some bottom teams down the stretch. And when you compare the Mariners' strength of remaining schedule to the teams that they're having to catch up with, the Mariners have the most favorable schedule by a fairly wide margin as well. So if they just do what we expect them to do, <laughs> to some extent we <laughs> do it, <laughs> to pick up these wins that should be games that they win. Remember, they just lost their only series in July that they lost was to the Detroit Tigers, so who knows. But if they get the job done, they're going to they're gonna punch their ticket. They're going to punch their ticket to the postseason. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Try and stop, baby. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I... Don't again. I, I'd love to see the Mariners make the playoffs. I'd like. I'd like to be able to watch some playoff baseball that's actually like relatively close, and I don't have to fly to Denver because that's not never going to happen in my lifetime. Apparently, um, it's yeah. Like I'd, I'd love to see them make it. It's a very. It's an interesting group they have with plenty of upside, plenty of intrigue. I just get really scared anytime that there's momentum that's rolling in through August because. When September comes, that's a dick punch with the red solo cup as your protection. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> um. Anything else? Did, did, did I want? I want to get this in. Michael Lorenzen. Like we're not going to keep talking Mariners the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh. And we're going to talk about Anthony Rizzo. That's a big topic today. But <laughs> uh, Michael Lorenzen makes his debut after the trade deadline. Pitched very well. Pitched very well, and uh, I was happy to see it. I was very happy to see it because, like, that that's the thing is when we talked about trade deadline winners and losers and all the trades that happened, we didn't bring up the Lorenzen trade, I don't think, on the last episode. I don't think we brought it up once, right? No. No, I don't yeah, think so. so that was, hey, like, that that was really nice to see. The, the Phillies beat the Marlins, and Michael Lorenzen goes eight innings, picks up his first win as a Philly, uh, two earned runs against. It, it was a really solid outing for Lorenzen, who, like I said, kind of went under the radar, not just by us, but baseball circles everywhere, it kind of felt like. Like, I didn't hear it discussed a lot. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like that's something that kind of went under the radar, and that the Phillies picking up Lorenzen, like, that's, that's the story with the Phillies, right? Is we always talk about how, oh, it's April, they're out of it. It's April, May, the Phillies look garbage. This <laughs> happened last year when they went yep. to the World Series. Like, that's what people don't remember is they went to the World Series last year basically in the same spot that they are in now. Right now, they are holding down the second wildcard spot. 
look, there's teams that are going to be pushing for that for that spot as well, but they're in good shape. Like they're in good shape. They loaded up at the dead not loaded up, but they added at the deadline. I think Lorenzen is just a really smart addition. I think that's what this Phillies team needed. They didn't need, you know, let's go get Verlander, let's go get Scherzer. That would have been nice, but just going out and getting Lorenzen, I think that is a fantastic move for this Phillies team. I think A plus all around there. What I find really interesting, like again, you bring up the point where the Phillies went deep just by getting into the postseason. The this team's underperformed. Like I don't think there's any question that the Philadelphia they have very good pieces that have just not lived up to expectations. Like take Trey Turner for instance. Like we know we, his struggles. Like everyone knows about. Like this guy does not look like the best shortstop in the entire league. He hell like half the time he looks lost at the plate and that's something that we just didn't expect to see at this point in his career like his speed's still there but nothing else has translated if you, imagine if he gets going and imagine if he gets going in september and october like how dangerous does this phillies team get um adding they don't need to make big moves because their roster has they have the talent they have good pieces like like they don't have like Harper Harper aside, they don't have like a defining truly like tr- uh, transcendent talent. But do they really need that? It, like, th- would Scherzer or Verlander have moved the needle enough to justify the acquisition cost when you have a decent a decent team around them already that that's been deep? Like we can talk about if it's a fluke run or not, but it's a team that's good. It's just a team that hasn't performed nearly as well as people thought. And if if they can get going, especially late in the season. I, I don't see what well I don't see why like why they should have bought more heavily at the deadline. I wonder what the betting odds would have been at the start of the season if you were to bet that Hassan Kim would have more homers than Trey Turner and Bryce Harper combined. That's absurd. By August first. Like- <laughs> because right now, Hassan Kim has fifteen homers, Bryce Harper has five, and Trey Turner has ten. They have yep. the exact same number of homers. As of August 4th, we're recording this. (laughs) Who who would have thought that that would happen? But you're right. This is a team that is grossly underperforming. And hey, I'm not trying to knock the Phillies because that's the thing is they were in this spot last year too, right? And like I said, they go get Michael Lorenzen. That is a solid, solid pickup that I think really did go under the radar. But yes, that is me doing a little bit of Hassan Kim love for the pod. Of course, of course. I mean, I just picked him up the uh, picked him up the other week in fantasy, and this guy's just been dogging it for me. So I, I can't even say anything about that, dude. I've I've had Hassan Kim in every league that I'm in. He's, always, <laughs> he's been my last pick for the last two years, and he is not disappointed. And this year, obviously, he was in my keeper league, and I picked him as a keeper. I just, yeah, I, I love me some Hassan Kim, man. The guy is on the guy's on a hitting streak too. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's up to seven games now. I I think it's six at the time of this recording, but it might even be higher. And he's just, he has been phenomenal. Last night against Colorado, three runs. Three I don't runs want to think about that. Him. And a homer and a solo shot, of course, but three runs. He comes around, comes around base, man. And the guy, not to mention, he's also stealing bases too. Like, Hassan oh, yeah. Kim has 22 stolen bases. He is also the San Diego Padres Heart and Hustle Award recipient. Uh, each team has their own guy. I think the Mariners did J.P. J. Crawford. But for the Padres, it's Hassan Kim, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. He has been their most consistent player this year by quite a wide margin. And that's the thing is, you know, that's probably a indictment on the rest of the Padres roster to some extent. But Hassan Kim has been their most steady player, and he's just... 
he, he can play all positions. He's been phenomenal for them all year long. Now imagine if his attitude and work ethic actually rubbed off on some of his teammates. Maybe the Padres would actually be in the playoff race at this point in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, they go get Rich Hill. Gene oh, God. I don't, I don't think we're going to break down the Padres. <laughs> let's just... Let's just I, like, we have to keep following this rule that I tried to lay out where I said we're not going to talk about the Padres until they make us talk about them. And I, I don't think they've earned it. I think Hassan Kim has earned it, but I don't think the Padres, the Padres. themselves have. So we're not, not. We're, no more Padres. No more Padres. Let's talk about the Yankees. You wanted to talk about uh, Anthony Rizzo and that debacle of a situation that's going on in New York right now. Yeah, well, I mean... Just with all the news that's been coming out, especially in this last week, last couple of days, like let's start off with Anthony Rizzo, and we know that this guy's been struggling. I I, I know you have the stats, but like it, on May twenty eighth, this guy collided with Fernando Tatis, and at the time he got pulled, and he was like in um, concussion protocol, um, and and he passed it. But since then, he just hasn't looked right, and like i think i'm reading i read that like um as of last week he felt more tired than usual that he felt um that he that he didn't like it, it could have been the grind of a long season obviously fatigue does add up but rizzo rizzo went at, at the end of the last series against oreos he went to the medical staff saying that he felt foggy and played in two more games after that went through more neurological testing um guess what revealed signs of cognitive impairment this guy was clearly just not in it altogether. And he's just not, he hasn't been right. And his reaction speed, like one of the things he looked at was that um, his reaction speed was just a lot slower than it used to be. Um, and at, at a major league level, it was very, it's just, that's, light, that's like make or break territory for for a batter. And, you know, it, it sucks to see, but it, it also calls into for me. It's also like really concerning that this guy was able to pass Major League Baseball concussion protocols, get back to playing. He played for three months after this, and has finally now been placed on IL with post concussion syndrome for the recurrence of for the recurrence of his symptoms. It's it's not really protecting players. Of, of, I mean, obviously this is a big case, and it's um it, it's an um, potentially an outlier, but it, it does call into question some of the things that have been going on behind the scenes. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the split for Anthony Rizzo, up until the collision with Fernando Tatis on the 28th, he was batting 304. So for all this talk from Yankees fans, and I don't blame them too much. I know he's been underperforming, but Yankees fans are quick to turn on their own guys. Everybody knows that. To that point, Rizzo was batting 304 with 11 homers, 32 RBIs, and an 880 OPS. That is through 53 games. Okay, so th- these are similar sample sizes because after the collision, since that collision with Tatis, which is the one that he's now being placed on IL for, he was batting 172 with one home run, nine runs batted in, and a 496 OPS. That is through a 46-game sample size. So it's not like this is a short period of time where he struggled and the Yankees were pulling him. No, this is over two months, basically. Like, like this collision happened at the end of May, and now we're into August, and the Yankees are now putting him on the injured list with concussion symptoms from mm-hmm. that collision. That is that is not good. Like, that, that is so Bush League. And... Not, not, not even to mention what we heard with Domingo Herman, where you know he, he's getting help with his um, issues with alcohol. But there was an incident <laughs> where details came out, and I think it was John Heyman. I can't remember exactly who it was that reported it, but the details of the incident were basically that Domingo Herman was so intoxicated, and then the Yankees—I don't know if it was their medical staff or if it was his teammates or who it was put him in a sauna to get him to sweat the alcohol out, which has the opposite effect and is just like, the thing is, is I, I'm just wondering if the Steinbrenners are paying for Wi-Fi because somebody should have just Googled what happens if you put a drunk person into a sauna because the result isn't good. Like that, yeah. that is not the right thing to do in that situation. And I'm shocked, first of all, that nobody knew that. But second of all, like... Did nobody think to Google it? Like, no, nobody thought, hey, maybe we should figure out what we should do here. This is, and I, I'm not even trying to be funny or make a joke out of this because it's obviously a very serious situation, but just there's something going on with the Yankees right now where they are just, they are not the world-class organization that they they have been for so long. And I'm not even talking just from the player acquisition and the player development and all the, those angles of it. I'm not even talking about that, although those are all valid things and all things that we have discussed and will discuss. It's just like, things like this didn't happen with the Yankees years and years ago. Like, they were always known as that first-class, world-class organization, best organization in the majors, and they are just not that right now from top to bottom. Yeah, like you that uh, giving the benefit of giving them the benefit of that. Like, let's assume that none of the training or medical staff was in the clubhouse at the time that Herman walks in intoxicated and the players just shut him into the sauna. That is still a real concerning situation when like nobody in that room should have been blind or deaf or shouldn't have alerted um, like anybody about it. Like the medical staff should be looped in on something like this because it is so very important and. It's just dangerous. That that shit is like genuinely infuriating because it's like you're putting in a guy who's trying to process alcohol in a system and you put him into an environment where he's going to get more dehydrated and the alcohol is just going to wreak more havoc on his system. Like what goes through your head to be able to do that? And I, I understand like probably it's like the, there's that situation was stressful um, and there's probably just an improvised solution. But it, it, it's just this kind of thing. It's like if you thought 
if a Yankees fan thought that the on-field product was the worst of what they were going to get from this season, that just, this stuff blows it out of the water. It's just like, this team is struggling on the field, off the field. There is so much behind the scenes. And Herman's like, this is how many, how many chances has he gotten? Like he has a domestic violence. Uh, he had a domestic violence incident, uh, allegations that were levied against him. Um, he he has been in so much trouble and now like substance abuse like this guy's cl- clearly troubled and you just have to think like this this is something that the Yankees or the proud Yankees organization um of years past like so to speak they wouldn't have they would not have like went along with this for as long as they can and I don't know I don't know if it's just a sign of the times I don't know if it's um organizational rot or something these are not the. I agree. Like these are not the Yankees we are used to, and I, I just you gotta feel bad. You gotta feel bad for the fan base. It, like as weird as that's as weird as it is to say, because fucking Yankees fans, right? But it, it's rough to watch this team, and I I don't know where they go from here. Do they free fall because of all the drama surrounding this team, or do they somehow rally together? There's so many different things that could go that have gone wrong that could have went wrong. That it's hard to think that this team can really put together any sort of more momentum in the last two months of the season. I hate that this is a factor, but Domingo Herman isn't a good enough player to keep putting up with. Oh, all this absolutely stuff. And not. Also, I should mention it was Lindsay Adler of the Wall Street Journal that had this story, not John Heyman. I usually just default to John Heyman because he has <laughs> most of the stories uh, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Yankees, but. Basically, what happened was Herman got drunk, had arguments with Aaron Boone and teammates during Tuesday's incident. He flipped a couch, smashed a TV, and he made jokes while while his teammate uh, Ron Marinaccio packed his bags for AAA. It was just a bad situation. Uh, like we said, it was alcohol related, uh, and then like I, like I said already, and criticized them for. They made him go into a sauna to try and sweat out the alcohol, which just doesn't work. It, no. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, like, it's just, it's so unfortunate, but the thing is, is it's not like this is Herman's first incident of just being a dumbass, right? Like, like look, if, if you're struggling with alcoholism, that's one thing, right? But he's also had incidents in the past where it's just like, okay, maybe this is just someone we don't want to be in business with, right? Like, if you did this mm. at your employer you would lose your job, right? And I think Herman Cashman's already said he won't pitch for the Yankees for the rest of this year. I think he said that before the decision was even made for Herman to go into rehab. Like, I'm pretty sure Cashman just said, like, we're done with this guy. So I'm curious what they do from here. I think they're going to support him because he's now going into rehab. And obviously, we're hoping for the best for Domingo Herman. But at the end of the day, like, like it was, it was the same thing when he threw the perfect game where I was like, yeah, I see Yankees fans are split. Like, they're like, why did it have to happen to him? Like, why did this have to be the guy that threw the perfect game with everything that um, has happened with Herman in the past, you know, um, with domestic abuse and all that sort of stuff? Why did it have to be Herman? And, like, that was the thing that I kind of had the opinion of. I was like, oh, nice, a perfect game. I don't have to like it or root for Herman and be like, oh, well, you have to hand it to him. Like, they're, you know... He's a, he's a great pitcher. Like, this was a guy who was also busted for using sticky stuff, like, two weeks prior. Right? Oh, yeah. He had to go wash his hands, and then he was a totally different pitcher with completely different spin rates after that. So, 
yeah, this is just not a guy that I root for. This is not a guy that I hope does well in the game of baseball. Um, obviously, as a, as a person, I hope he gets the help he needs. But this is not a guy that I want to spend more time talking about or being like, yeah, you know what? I, I really hope Herman can make this valiant comeback and be a part of the Yankees rotation. I don't care. Give that job to someone else. Like, yep. I don't care. He's not a good enough pitcher to make you have these thoughts even if you're a Yankees fan where you're like this this guy needs to come back like he needs to go get his act together so that he can pitch this guy needs to get his act together so that he can be a functioning human being on this planet that's where it's at with Domingo Herman for me yep uh we couldn't have said it better like this this is a guy that needs help this is a guy that I don't think the Yankees should keep around he's not nearly talented enough to ignore all the faults in his character and even then like that calls into the questions like are we looking at the player or are we looking at the person? And uh, that's something I don't think we'll be able to get into depth here for, for many different reasons. But yeah, like there is nothing that the Yankees can really do to justify keeping him around. And I, I'm just happy that he's gone in, gone to rehab and that the team is making the right decision with him. I, I don't know where the team goes because they've struggled to find quality starting pitching for like the last who knows how long. Yeah, um, this is just not a good time for the Yankees right now. Like, not only are they not playing great on the field, right? Thankfully, they have Judge back. Like, that's good for the team, but something's off in New York, man. Like, they're on a two-game win streak. They, they just beat the Astros. Like, something's wrong, though. Like, yeah. Luis Severino's on the mound tonight. I, I don't even want to break down everybody's individual individual performances this season, but, like, Luis Severino is just yet another guy on that team who has just looked like a shell of himself, and it's yep. really unfortunate. Um, he, he's got a 7-4-9 ERA, and when I talk about something being wrong in New York with the Yankees, Matt's I team. would like you to find the last time a Yankee pitcher had an ERA over 7 and was still allowed to go for 60-plus innings in a season, because I don't think it's it's been like that for a very, very long time. It's just... It, it feels like they have no standard now, right? And no. there was this Yankee standard and the Yankee way. Like, the the Oakland A's might DFA a guy who has 7.39 ERA, right? Like, like the Oakland A's might make that decision. I I just, I, I, I cannot understand why the Yankees are just operating the way they are, but it's not great. It's not a great time to be a Yankees fan right now. I don't think many people feel bad for them, though. And I, that's valid. I, I, I... I have sympathy, but I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> yeah, how can you feel bad for them? Screw no. it. Whatever. Um, let's back, tying the Phillies and sort of Padres but together. Like this just came up, and it was, it's very funny. The so Cole Hamels just got placed on the voluntary voluntarily retired list along with Stan, Craig Stanman. Uh, with Hamels retirement, I think that's the last of the 08 Phillies um, that are uh, that have yeah the last of the active 08 Phillies. I think that's it, right? I think so. Ryan Howard played in the celebrity softball game and hit three homers. Um, <laughs> okay, but that's different. But I don't think, I don't think there's anybody from that team still in the league. Yeah, was so no fun fact. Mm, no, I I am now pulling up the roster because I feel like there was one guy that was a rookie on that team. No, Jason Worth doesn't play anymore. You know, you know who I always get Jason Worth confused with. Who <laughs> is uh. Why am I not remembering that guy's name right? Oh, uh, Brandon Marsh. I always get Brandon Marsh oh. and Jason Worth like mixed up. Do they, that, look, they, they don't look that similar, do they? No, but they both had long hair at one point and are both oh. white guys. 
This is like this is like when you look at hockey players in full cages, like, oh, they look the same, and they take them off, and they're not the same at all. You look at the hair. <laughs> what? On the on the topic of uh, guys that last last episode, remember we talked about guys that played for a whole bunch of teams. Yeah. Matt Stairs. Matt Stairs, Canadian. He played. He played for a lot of teams, and he was on that 08 Phillies team. I oh, mean, he nice. retired a few years later. But yeah. Matt Stairs, yeah, he played for. <clears throat> excuse me. He played for. Um, he played for quite a few teams. He he played on a lot of different ball clubs. He wore a lot of jerseys. Um. I also want to point out, uh, just on the topic of the Angels and Mariners, so this is off of fan graphs, and this is looking at the 2023 AL West playoff odds. Uh, as of last night, uh, since the trade deadline, Los Angeles Angels, they've, their playoff odds have dropped to 8%. Seattle has passed them. They're at 19.1%. Like, it, 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 they're still long ways off of the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. Houston's at 86, Texas is at 84.7, but... Hey, I mean, Seattle Seattle just made moves, so we'll see what happens. 91.1% is the percentage I read that in my head. I don't, I don't read that as 19%. I read it as 91, baby. 91, <laughs> Seattle is going to the postseason. All right, just before we close out here, um, we talked about it. We talked about teams like the Orioles, the Reds, going out and getting, starting pitching at the deadline. One of those teams did. One of those teams did not. The Baltimore Orioles go get Jack Flaherty, who hasn't had a fantastic year in St. Louis, but he immediately becomes their most seasoned and most reliable pitcher. And I think that's the thing that people keep forgetting about when it comes to postseason and late in season is that teams like the Reds and the Orioles all have pitchers who are now throwing career highs in innings. You are bound to lose at least one of those guys to injury or to just fatigue in general and just not having their stuff the way that they did at the start of the season and up to this point in the season so the orioles go out and jack get jack flaherty i really <laughs> like to talk about his start last night we are going to talk about his start oh, last night God. not only because it came against the toronto blue jays who we are forced to watch up here in canada uh goes six innings picks up the quality start obviously by only allowing four hits one earned run Two base on balls and also eight strikeouts, eight Ks for Jack Flaherty. Brings his ERA on the season down to 4.28. You love to see it for Jack Flaherty. And might I add that this is the lowest that Flaherty's ERA has been since like April. Like, like it was, it, actually, excuse me, it was May. It was May when his ERA ballooned to 6.29, and he's been kind of in the process of bringing it back down ever since. Uh, he's gotten better as the season has gone along, has Jack Flaherty. I really like that pickup for the Orioles, and hey, like, it, it looked good last night, right? Like, he looked super strong in his Baltimore debut. Yeah, and remember, just four years ago, he finished fourth in Cy Young, of Cy Young Award voting and finished 13th in MVP voting. Like at his age 23 season, he, he was hurling it, and since then it's been it's been a bit of a struggle to just rediscover everything. And obviously injury injuries, COVID's all played a part of the, a part in that. But hell, this is a guy with a proven track record of success, and he was lighting up. And Toronto again, we talk about Toronto struggling, but Toronto's still a wild card team. They're still playoff teams. They're still very good, and. He just cut through them like butter, and I and that that's a for what the Orioles had to give up for him. It, he's a very underrated like he again. It's like Lorenzen. He's like he might not have been the flashiest ad, but 
Um, he's probably he's instantly become the Orioles' most reliable, most seasoned starter, and you know he has good stuff. He has he has the potential to be great. He has the potential to be elite. He's only he's still only twenty seven. So if if they get him uh, signed for a while, like he could become one of the cornerstones of the rotation. And I, I, again, this is just off of one start, but man, did he look good in Orioles uh, in Orioles orange? Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, it's just they they now have that guy yeah. who they can turn to in game one of a playoff series and just be like, yeah, that that is our starter, and there's no question about it. Like there's no question, there's no debate. That is our starter in game one. And hey, maybe maybe like a Kyle Bradish makes it interesting, but you're fine with either of those, right? Like you're fine with either of those. And hey, not to mention John Means, who somehow is coming back from Tommy John surgery, but we'll talk about that uh, as, as we see it. I want to give some love. I think this is our final topic here. I want to give some love to the Kansas City Royals, who have won six straight. Okay, we gave love to the A's and the Reds when they were on their winning streaks. The Kansas City Royals have won six straight, and I don't know if there is a hotter hitter in the American League right now, maybe Ryan Mountcastle, maybe, than Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. has been on an absolute tear, and this is a guy who many expected a really big year from, and to this point, like he's been okay, he hasn't been fantastic or anything, but as of late, basically since July 28th was when he started to turn it on. He had four hits in that game against the Minnesota Twins. There was a homer as well. And then the next game, he hits a triple, a homer, another four hits in that game against the Twins, the second of that series. And he's just had a hit streak ever since. Like, since then, he has had a hit streak since that game. Uh, August 3rd against the Mets yesterday, hits another homer en route to a Kansas City Royals victory by a final score of 9-2. to two. So yes, it continues to be all bad for the Mets, who have lost, I think, the first three games that they've played since the trade deadline. And <laughs> it's also worth mentioning that those three games came against the Kansas City Royals, who aren't a good baseball team. Like, they are fifth in the AL Central, the worst division in baseball. They are competing with the likes of the Colorado Rockies, no offense, and the Oakland Athletics Bruh. for worst Bruh. team in baseball this season. And they just swept the New York Mets. Like, it is all bad for the Mets right now. And hey, it is really nice for the Royals right now. Seeing Bobby Witt take that step, it's, it's awesome. And you hope he can do it over the full course of a season. Wow, Kansas is on pace to win 50 games in the season. Who would have thought? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, how are the Rockies doing? Okay, okay. I, the, there's, a, there's a reason why Coors Field is the biggest bar in Denver. That's all I'm going to say. Um, less said about it, the better. At least it's a, at least it's a pretty ball, a ballpark to watch a game at. That's it. That's all. That's all it's got going for it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, the Rockies so, have also lost two straight. So so much. Money. Yeah, it's not good. Not good for them right now. Um. Okay, I have one last thing on my mind that I want to talk about, and I think I think you'll appreciate it. Okay. I think up till this point, up till like July, August. We've basically said, yeah, NL MVP is Ronald Acuna's to lose. Like, Ronald Acuna is going to win that award. But Freddie Freeman has made it very, very interesting. Uh, Really, over the past month, two months, really, Freddie Freeman has made it very, 
very interesting. And I think this is a lot closer. I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. I think Acuna definitely benefits from the fact that a lot of people kind of wrote off the NL MVP conversation in May. Uh, like, I think Acuna is going to benefit from that. He's going to pick up at least a few votes because of that. But Freddie Freeman's up to a 341 average on the year, and he's got 22 Yo. homers. Yo. Like, Freddie Freeman's having a very, very good year for the LA Dodgers. 76 RBIs on the year. He's six away from 100 runs on the year. Like, I don't think people really realize how good Freddie Freeman is. And what they really don't realize is just how close this actually is. Like, this is a very close race, and I don't think people are treating it as such. No, and I, it's a lot of it benefits from the fact that the Braves are just so far ahead of the field. Like, they've paced themselves so well, and Acuna was a big part of that. Like, the Braves are just such a good baseball team. And this doesn't say the Dodgers aren't a good baseball team, but the Dodgers aren't as dominant as we've seen in seasons past. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know if it's just a new approach for them or whatnot, but... I think that the attention has shifted away from Los Angeles, as weird as it is to say. And by that token, that's where Freeman's just tearing it up. And this guy is having an unreal season. The problem is the problem isn't with how he's played. It's more so who's attracted the most headlines. And I don't know. I I still think that it. I I still think that Acuna will take uh, the MVP award, but. It's a lot, and like you said, it's a lot closer than people think it is, and um, it'll come down to these last few months. Like, imagine if the Dodgers go on run and Freeman's a big part of that. I think that there is a real conversation to be had where Freeman does end up, like, completely subverting expectations from the start of the year and, and taking home the award. I think that's very, very plausible. Yeah, it's something to keep an eye on, right? It's just something to keep an eye on. It's not something that we're going to spend 20 minutes talking about right no. now, but it's something to keep an eye on down the stretch that, yes, we are going to have an episode, I'm sure, where we in-depth break down how close these two are because let's see if Freeman can keep it going or if Acuna pulls ahead or, hey, if Freeman pulls ahead, right? But this is a closer conversation uh, than I think people realize at this point in time. We'll wrap it up there. I'm on vacation next week. I don't know if we're going to do an episode next week. We might have to wait uh, because I'm on vacation and I have no plans of working next week. So we will see <laughs> what happens. Uh, so yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you are if you aren't already subscribed so that you get the notification when we do post because sometimes we're a little off with our uh, posting. Sometimes we go six days without an episode and then days like today, we do one two days later than we had just earlier this week hey, no, so for now funny. we'll close it out for my co-host mike lou my name is david guadrelli thank you so much for listening to another episode of the batter's box when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM.